This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. back from MPB Think Radio. This is Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman filling in for Kevin Farrell this morning along with uh, writer Tab, portfolio manager and News Perspectives, also co-author of Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young, president of New Perspectives, uh, Nancy Lotters Anderson is out today, but it's okay because we've got a great topic. Um, it's all about retirement saving. It would be wonderful if we all could put a little bit of money away every year for retirement for 50 years, but when that doesn't happen, you may need to catch up your savings. And is this a time when you can push ahead and start saving extra for retirement or is it all futile? We'll discuss saving for retirement when you don't have the power of compounding interest on your side. Also, Ryder is here to answer any of your personal finance questions. And you can do that by giving us a call. 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Ryder Tab, how you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Good morning, Java. Yeah, man. How did you uh, enjoy your holiday, your MLK day yesterday? Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I used it to travel. I was in Hot Springs, Arkansas for the weekend. Okay. I've been I've been to Hot Springs. <laughs> it was surprisingly cold. Uh, the name is misleading. I'm here to tell you that. There were some flurries, actually, on Saturday morning, and I was worried I would get snowed in. But no. I made and it how much fine. money did you win at the racetrack in Hot Springs? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, excuse me. I didn't not go to the racetrack in Hot Springs. <laughs> Although I did read that they're, uh, they're, they had a big profile of the owner of the racetrack and they're expanding it. Of course, I, I, I'm not sure how related this is to the expansion of um, sports betting. Sports, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure how, because that's, the specific laws are up to the state. I know it's been very good for the um, uh, reservation in, in Philadelphia uh, and their casinos, but I, I'm not sure if that's related. They're expanding their casino for the sports Sports betting for maybe some um, more games. I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I know after um, <laughs> uh, was it Sunday's game, oh, a lot Lord. of a lot of people might <laughs> want to talk about uh, some yeah. about sports betting. But I hey. did I did hear that uh, it was one one site in New Orleans was actually um, uh, kind of giving not I want to say refunds, but were I guess covering people's bets because oh. they just felt so bad about what happened. I can see that man. That was I I only tuned into that game I, I saw the first half of the game and you know kind of followed on Twitter and it, everything's going well right yeah and then I, I went over to someone's house for dinner uh, later and and it would just so happen to be the last 15 seconds <laughs> and those last 15 seconds were so dramatic and then well we all know what happened yeah the before so. and after shots are uh, 
paper uh, bags are, re- are really shocking on the it's rough on, on, on the internet. Thought it was gonna be their year, but second year in a row, man. That's the same thing. <laughs> it happens, man. Um, but since we're in the news, is there any um anything else? Any financial news in the news? Well, I, I kind of thought vaguely about t- tying tying the government shutdown to MLK Day because it's important to remember. You know, we often think about civil rights. We think about voting rights and and you know um, ending segregation and things like that. But there were uh, even beyond that, there were a ton. All that super interrelated with quality of life issues. Um, you know, ending segregation meant you know allowing allowing black people to live in white areas of town and access to the same sorts of loans and money and jobs and transportation and housing that white people had had. And um, you know, I was just thinking uh, MLK when he was assassinated was on the. Um, was going to Memphis for a a protest for better wages for sanitation workers. And so, you know, I mean, it just goes to show uh, workers' rights were super important to him. And uh, right now there are a lot of workers who are out of job or or halfway out of jobs or being held in limbo. And, and, you know, jobs are so important in America because that's, that's how you get by. We don't have a huge safety net. And um, we don't have, you know, the kind of traditional family connections that a lot of other countries and cultures might have. Um, So being able to work on your own is very important. And um, that that's it's just it's a shame that that's not going on right now. Yeah, And the the paycheck to paycheck um, aspect of it is a very real is a real is a real thing. And, um, you know, a lot of data has come out ever since the uh, government shut down about everybody's savings not being Mm -hmm. where they should be. And if you are, um, you know, dipping into your savings um, as you come up on a lot of people coming up on this uh, about to be second paycheck miss, mm-hmm. they're running, they're That's running right. out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's and it's more than just, you know, even if you are good about your savings and you've kind of worked your expenses down and you have an emergency savings to draw out of you still don't want to like that's that's you know, not what that's this, there this for. <laughs> is I mean well this is well, an emergency, yeah, an emergency at this, point. this yes. is an emergency at this point and and it doesn't it it makes it you can get through an emergency but but it still damages you financially um, just because you have ten thousand dollars saved up in the bank you know doesn't mean you can just go spend it and you'll still be just in the same financial position no you'll you'll be much worse off after spending all that down yeah this is like I said is really unfortunate now um, to ask this question has the government shut down and, and people um, I guess being tight with um, the, those monies those government workers has it affected the markets any you know yes no um, maybe yes yeah let's go with yes no and maybe <laughs> um, well the market you know towards the end of the year sound like a broken record here but it was very volatile um, and the government shut down kind of coming right around you know the holidays that's when it was you know the market dropped just very steeply and kind of bounced back up. It hasn't. Um, it, it's just kind of been bouncing around, kind of, kind of at the bottom at, at the where it ended the year last year. It had, it's gone up a little bit, um, but, but I, I would say I would say that if the government, you know, 
reopened, I guess that's the word, um, <laughs> if the government reopened, then that would probably be a positive uh, just because people are getting their paychecks. People are able to spend again. And so we kind of have that to look forward to. Also, s- certainty. The market hates uncertainty and not knowing how long this is going to go on. And and the longer it goes on, we don't we have no clue what the consequences are. You know, if it shuts down for a weekend, we're like, well, that's fine. I mean, whatever. But if it shuts down, you know, what we're about a month now, just about that's um, we don't know. Yeah. And I guess it all kind of ties in with what we're talking about today, saving uh, for retirements. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times when people are uh, saving for retirements, have 401ks and, and IRAs, a lot of that um, is uh, put, correct me if I'm uh, wrong, put into investments and in the market. So, yes. you know, it kind of plays with people's retirements a little bit. Right. Yeah. And it's important, especially um, younger folks, um, you know, who are putting aside for retirement, they, you know, you have a long time. And, and when time is on your side, you can take those riskier stock market investments. Um, often you find, you know, people closer to retirement or people who this is a smaller part of their retirement, um, you know, they'll be more conservative with it and there'll be bonds and cash and less stocks. Um, but also, you know, for on the government side, uh, a lot of, I mean, well, this is federal government and state government have pensions. Um, state government, you know, for instance, Mississippi PERS, you know, that money is invested in the stock market. A lot of it is. They have a very, you know, stock market, real estate, bonds, all sorts of things. Um, very large, diversified portfolio. Um, but yes, uh, workers, even if they don't, you know, have their own, if they're not day trading on the side, you know, they still probably have stock market exposure. Now, if you want to join our conversation today, we're talking about retirement, saving for retirement. Maybe you um, haven't started or didn't start when you um, uh, first started working and are trying to get more aggressive about saving for your retirement. Uh, give us a call, 1-877-672-7464. That's one 672 or send us an email to money at mpbonline.org. Also, we are taking your personal finance questions. And before we go to our first break. Let's get, uh, I guess, some of the uh, basics out the way when it comes to uh, saving for retirement. Um, where should you start putting your savings um, if you're trying to, uh, so to speak, catch up on your retirements? Uh, okay, so we have we have an alphabet soup here of different types of accounts. Um, but I want to, before that, I want to say there's there's really, there's just three types of accounts. And, and how you tell the difference is how they treat money for tax purposes. There's one account, which we just call a taxable account. It might be called an individual account or a joint account if you own it with somebody else. And there's no rules. There's no special tax treatment for money going in or out. You can put as much money in as you like. You can take as much money out as you like. Um, you're only taxed when you have a realized gain. So you buy a stock. It goes up and you sell it. The amount that it went up by is your gain. Uh, you also are taxed on income and dividend uh, in interest income and dividend uh, dividend payments into the account. Uh, so that's that's the first type. And it's kind of like your bank account. There's no, no special rules about putting money in or taking money out there. Um, and then there is the traditional IRA, 401k, uh, salary deferral plan type account. You put money in, and as the name suggests, you defer your taxes. So it's, it's like you're deferring your salary. So you say, you know, I make X dollars 
dollars, I'm going to I'm going to defer 10 percent of that and you take it out in retirement. There's a lot of rules around this um, because you're getting this tax break on the front end. Um, you know, one of the rules is you, since it's designed for retirement, there's penalties for taking that out early. Plus, you have to pay taxes on it when you take it out. Um, this is probably the most common sort, uh, especially if you have a 401k at your work. This is probably the kind of standard, most common one. Then there is the Roth style account, which um, I'm not sure exactly how to phrase it. Some people call it a tax exempt account because you put money in. There's no, um, you don't get a tax break for putting money in. Um, there are generally strict limits for putting money in, and when you take it out, it, it grows tax-free, and you take it out tax-free in retirement. Um, There are also some other ways you can take it out as well. But that one is a really good deal, especially if you have a long time for the money to grow or you know you're going to be in a higher tax bracket later. Um, So, you know, there's 401ks I mentioned, traditional IRAs. IRAs and Roth IRAs, those are individual retirement accounts. Or, as I may have learned the other day, it's actually individual retirement arrangement. Wait a minute. With the, I, with the words it's now. what the IRS wants to call them these days. I just noticed that in the in the rule book that I was reading. <laughs> uh, that's right, folks. I was reading the IRS rules. Um, but uh, you know, so those are individual accounts. You open them yourself. All the other ones are really um, employer accounts. And so while here, I could roll through them: four hundred one k, four three b, four fifty seven government. Like you said, the, the alphabet there's soup. an alphabet <laughs> soup of them. And what's important though is what does your employer offer? You know, if your employer only offers a four hundred one k, you don't need to worry about a four fifty seven b. But just in case you're curious, four fifty seven b that's typically government employers. 403Bs, those are typically nonprofits and schools, and there are often some very awful, awful products associated with those. 401Ks is just the biggest, most well-known, most flexible one, um, and, and employers can set them up however they like. They can control your money forever if they want to. And that's why it's always important for people, I guess, to take control of their money, so to speak. Don't just jump into the plan that's, uh, you know, blankly offered to you. You know, it may may not be the best, and, yeah. and sometimes, sometimes it, it may be. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and take our first break for the hour. We're uh, talking about saving for retirement here on Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman filling in for Kevin Frail today uh, uh, here with Ryder Taff. Also, as Nancy Lottridge Anderson is taking the day off. You can join our conversation, talk about retirement, or you may have another general finance question. one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send an email to money at org. Now, if you are 50 years old, How much do you need to put away each month, assuming a 12% return to save $1 million? Yes, you heard me. You want to make that $1 million mark and you're 50 years old. How much money do you need to put away each month? We'll tell you the answer when we come back. This is MPB Think Radio. Listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. 
I'm Java Chapman here on Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. If you miss any part of today's show, you can always listen back. Visit mpbonline.org slash money talks. Also, you can download the MPB public media app. I, I highly endorse that and I highly recommend that you do download that app. It's always on my phone and at the ready anytime I'm trying to stay connected to MPB. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our phone lines and uh, we have a caller from West Point and Denise is on the line. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. How are you doing today? Go ahead with your question. I'm fine. Um, I have a, just a general question, not a retirement question. Um, I have a situation where um, I'm unable to purchase a home right now because one of the things they're saying is my student loans that I owe mm-hmm. are over the threshold for you know my income. And I was just trying to see um you have any suggestions for someone that um, wants to buy a home but, you know, encounters the student loan problem. The student loan not in a default or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going to probably be forgiven because of the IBR plan or whatever, mm-hmm. but still, you know, because of their income and then the threshold for the percentage of your Debt, you right. know, is yeah. greater. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, student loans and and there's a, there's a variety of you know folks out there who set kind of different requirements for their mortgages. But most common are going to be the um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Um, also, for first time home buyers, the FHA. Another um, well, that's a government entity kind of setting some rules there. Um, and each of them deals with student loans a little differently, um, and they have made some changes, kind of as you alluded to, to how student loans are are, are uh, factored in there. It used to be, you know, if you had a lot of student loans, it's just, it just a no-go. Um, but now they kind of consider, you know, what are all these p- repayment plans like? Uh, how is it actually going to affect your income? Are you getting things forgiven, like you mentioned? Um, and so what I would do I would speak with a mortgage person about this uh, because that particular situation is going to depend on the mortgage products that you know they have access to, and and so speak with a couple of them. Um, so just just go to your bank, go to a bank that you like, go um, and and talk to. If you're working with a uh, if you're working with a real estate agent, they may also know a mortgage person who you know has more you know. It, does a better job or they think uh, provides a better service than some others. Um, and, and the mortgage person can make a big difference. I didn't really realize that when I first purchased a home. Um, but my mortgage person kind of went to the ends of the earth. Uh, I guess we call him a mortgage broker. Went to the ends <laughs> of the earth to find to find the okay. right loan for me. So <clears throat> when you okay. want to th- so what they're going to be able to tell you is how much house you can afford and how much that is going to cost you every month on the mortgage. Um, so just make sure when you go to them, you're very upfront, you know, all of your income information, all of your student loan information, including what your payment is, any projected forgiveness. Um, and so they'll be the ones who can work out a detailed plan for you, which is going to get you the best loan. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And good luck uh, with the uh, home search, Denise. All right. Thanks. 
All right. Thank you for joining us this morning, uh, Denise. And if you want to call into the program, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 And before the break, we left you with a question. If you are looking to save money each month and you have already reached the ripe old age of 50 years old, <laughs> how much money um, a month would you need to save to make that $1 million by the time you are 65 years old? And this is with 12% interest, Woo. which Ryder had a... Uh, <laughs> tell me tell me where you get it. <laughs> <laughs> but with that 12% interest, and you are already 50, trying to make a million dollars by 65, if you did the math, you would need to save $2,235 a month. So you can have $1 million for your retirement age of 65. I know there is a very uh, uh, popular, another very popular radio personality who is, who's not on MPB, so I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a very popular uh, personal finance guru, uh, <laughs> very big on saving, um, very, he hates debt. Uh, he always quotes the 12% number, and I'm just like, this is, this is a problem. People are going to start thinking that they can go out and get 12% consistently every Every year in the stock market, not going to happen. What's definitely, that? definitely not, and certainly not after inflation. I like to use a much more conservative number so that we're surprised. Let's when say it's realistic better. instead of conservative. But right, so realistic might be eight or nine percent, and that's we get the the place where we get these numbers. We look at historical information, and we always need to say historical performance does it's not indicate what's going to happen in the future. But it's still the best thing we have. Um, and historically, over longer periods, that's important because it can fluctuate in any given year. Over longer periods, um, 8 or 9% um, uh, is, is kind of an average growth in, say, the S&P 500. Um, but if you want to kind of use a more conservative number, you know, if you go with 6 or 7%, that might be, you know, a little bit more conservative, especially, again, over longer periods of time. Okay. Well, um, now that we're talking about what you need to save to um, meet that mm-hmm. um, million dollar mark or, you know, the amount that you feel should be comfortable um, at the retirement age of 65. How much um, money is the most you can contribute? And before you before you mm-hmm. say it's actually funny, I just opened the laptop top trending topic. Um, article, Maximum 401k Contributions Climb for 2019. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that's that's great when personal finance articles are trending. Um, people pay attention. Yes, it's kind of exciting this year. They've gone up for the first time in several years. Um, so for the individual retirement accounts or possibly individual retirement arrangement, if you're going to go with that interpretation, um, so the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA, which you open yourself, uh, that is six thousand dollars is how much you can contribute each year and if you are over 50 then you get a little catch-up provision uh, and you can contribute an extra thousand if your company offers a simple IRA and um, that actually does stand for something it's and it's a little bit recursive because it stands for simplify I don't know I can't remember Um, but the simple IRA some small businesses have it I think you can have it if you have up to 100 employees you can contribute 13,000 yourself Uh, your employer does match uh, on some of that and you can contribute uh, an extra 3,000 so a total of 16,000 if you're over 50 
With 401ks and typically all the other ones follow this, 401ks, 403bs, 457s, SEP IRAs included, um, you can contribute 19000 this year. And if you are over 50, you can contribute an extra 6000 as your catch-up per provision and the maximum in between what you're putting in and what your employer is putting in is 55,000. Um, and, and so that is the top level. Um, that also applies to SEPs for self-employed folks. Um, yeah. so I can't just, I can't just defer my whole check if I wanted to. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if you're making you, well, so in one thing, there are some, uh, there are some salary limits on that with a 401k they're all unique. Um, so your employer will set the rules ultimately for that. And so they may even have some restrictions on your total amount. Um, but, uh, you, for instance, you know, if you opened up an individual account for yourself just to get your own savings kick started, you are limited to that 6,000 and that's the lowest limit there. Um, so that's, that's the smallest one. You're in better shape. You can save more if your employer offers something. And it's always funny when, when saving, because if you, if you have the money, you, you tend to want to spend the money. Uh-huh. Uh, what, what, what about salary, uh, deferral? Is that mm-hmm. a, a great way to kick yourself into uh, savings? Yes, absolutely. And so for most, uh, for the most part, uh, with employer plans, again, like the 401k and the simple IRA, uh, SEPs, if that's what your employer does, um, for the most part, those are done through salary deferral. And so you need to speak with whoever's handling your payroll. They'll have a form for you to fill out. Um, you know, it, some companies it's more formal than others, but essentially you just have to give them written notification of how much you want to defer. Um, they handle the work of, of doing that, uh, deferral out of your paycheck, just like they, um, you know, do any other, you know, deferrals out of your paycheck. Today, we're talking about saving for retirement. If you want to join our conversation, even if you have a um, personal finance question, you can get that in today, this morning, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Before we take our next break, um, remind us about the employer matching funds. That always, it sounds good, but is it exactly what they say? Like if you put in uh, $100, they're going to put in $100? Yeah, I mean, for the most part. So, um, a matching fund is it is like that you know if you say all right well out of my paycheck i'm gonna put a hundred dollars um the employer will match that. Now, there are limits to that. And notably with a simple IRA, uh, it's typically capped at 3%. Um, there's some other rules around that. but and so, and so what that means is if you put in 1% of your salary and they're matching 3%, you put in 1%, they're going to put in 1% because they're matching that 1%. You put in 2%. They put in 2% because they're matching it. You put in 3%, guess what? They're putting in 3%. You put in 4%, guess what? They're matching 3% because (laughs) there's that that limit. Um, And with 401ks, that can go higher. Often you see 3% and 4% are fairly common. Um, That's still fairly low um, considering you want to aim to save 15 or so percent of your income uh, for retirement over a typical career. I can explain that later. But... That match, um, 
so a three percent match. A lot of people will look at it and say, "Oh, well, you know, that's the maximum." No, 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 no. Well, we went over the maximum. That's nineteen thousand um, dollars. And if that's three percent of your income, you're doing great. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about career changes. Um, but you know, you can continue to put money in beyond what they match, um, and and you should. I mean, for most people, that they they are going to need more money saved than simply theirs plus the match. I'm surprised that our phones haven't been ringing off the hook this morning. I think everybody has this 401k and IRA and Roth IRA business down, I they guess. Must, yeah, they must have it down. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess they've already read that top-trending article about the limits going up but this yeah, year. Uh, everything, everything's going up. Uh, the savers know what and how to save. <laughs> exactly. uh, but if you're not in that number, go ahead and give us a call if you have a question about saving your retirement. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take our next break for the hour. This is Money Talks, and you can join our conversation. 1877 MPB ring that's 1877-672-7464 or you can uh, send an email money at mpbonline.org now how long will you need to stretch your retirement savings we'll have a statistic when we come back about this after the break this is MPB think radio Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks from Java Chapman here along with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Uh, Nancy Lotridge Anderson, President of New Perspectives, is out this morning, and they are both co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. And if you did not get going young with your uh, retirement savings, that's what we're talking about today. And before the break, we asked the question, how long will you need to stretch your retirement savings? Now, your retirement savings may need to support you for a very long time. I saw something this morning about um, uh, living to 90 is mm-hmm. like... It's not that unusual. Yeah, it's, it's like the, the, the new thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, your savings need to support you for a long time if the retirement age is at 65. So about one out of four 65-year-olds today will live past the age of 90 and one out of 10 will live past the age of 65. So how how much money? Oh, uh, well, Lil passed the age of 95. Thank you, Liz. Great producing. Um, so how much money will that person need or how much money is it? Well, let me rephrase the question. How much money is a good retirement goal? Um, so you should have a, a, a right. place you're trying to get to. Yeah. So and so that's going to depend on a couple of things. Um, how much money? It, one, I mean, it depends on, one, how long are you going to live and how much you're going to need in retirement. And so keep that in mind, keeping in mind that uh, for a lot of folks, um, their Social Security income or maybe their pension income might make up a large part of their retirement income. 
So uh, I know I mentioned before, you know, there's a general rule of, you know, save 15% of your income throughout, uh, say, 35, 40-year career, and then you'll have enough money in retirement, uh, if you invest that prudently, you'll have enough money in retirement to to generate enough income to live off of. Um, but that being said, uh, folks on the lower end of the income spectrum, uh, they will depend more on Social Security. And so it's less important to have money saved. So just what I'm getting this from is the J.P. Morgan Guide to Retirement. They do a very fantastic uh, charts and information about how much you need to be saving, uh, what does retirement look like. But say for someone, we were talking about someone 50 years old earlier, uh, if your household income is around $50,000, you need to have about two and a half times your income saved at $50,000. Um, but if you make more money, it's more important for you to have more saved. So if you're making 100000 you need to have four and a half times your income. If you're making 150000 you need to have five and a half times your income saved. And that's at 50. Um, because your goal is 60. When you're 60 years old... Um, and you're making fifty thousand dollars. You want to have about four times your income saved up. Um, but again, if you're making a hundred thousand, you're going to have seven or uh, nine times at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So and that's also, how it matters. It also, also depends on your your lifestyle because if you live in a certain way, exactly, nobody wants to go down a lifestyle. Right, right. <laughs> and, and you s- want to maintain. Yeah, and, and you have to consider. You know, some folks in retirement. I've seen kind of every stripe. Some people in retirement. You know, it's it's just like their life was. Pre- Previously, except like a little more low key, and they probably save money in retirement, um, especially once you go into um, Medicare or whatever. Uh, you know that that takes up some of your medical cost. Uh, some folks they retire and they're just like, I'm going to do everything that I meant to do. Sixty five over, the, do past, 45. over the past forty years. Forty five. <laughs> and 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 a lot of them, you know, if you plan carefully, you know that can work out because you're like, you know, I'm going to spend, I'm going to be in a higher spending area for the next, you know, five or ten years, but then I'm going to transition to a much more sedentary lifestyle because I will be getting old and I won't be able to do that anymore. Um, so like you said, it depends on the lifestyle you want. Um, and so if you've been living kind of frugally for your, your whole life, then, you know, you, you probably want have more money saved up, but to need less. And Florida is not cheap. Florida ain't cheap. Uh, <laughs> stay, stay, stay in Mississippi. Let's go, let's go to, um, let's go to our phone lines. We, we accent and, and, and they and they came. Um, let's go. Let's start with Jimmy in Memphis. Good morning, Jimmy. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. Oh, we're doing fine today, sir. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah, what happened? Uh, I had stepped out when y'all made the comment about if you're 50 years old, how much you have to save, and I, I missed that. So I would like to explain it just a Okay. Sure thing. Sure thing. So, so your retirement savings checkpoints, you know, how much you have saved at a certain age, it's going to depend on your income. Um, so I'm just going to kind of read, you know, generally, uh, again, this is from the JP Morgan uh, guide to retirement. What they recommend, if you're making around $50,000 and you're 50 years old, you need to have about two and a half times your income saved up. Um, they are assuming that you're going to continue saving in the 5 to 10% range uh, so that when you hit 60 and 65, you have 4 or 5 or 6% uh, times your income saved up. Um, but age 50, at $50,000, they want to have two and a half times. At $100,000, you want to have four and a half times your income. And, uh, you know, if you're 
in a higher bracket over at 150,000, you know, five and a half times year income. They have all all sorts of checkpoints on that. Um, so does that make sense for you? Let me ask this. What's your settlement 401k or IRA? So a 401k is an employer plan. If your employer offers the 401k, it right. is probably has better it, it, better features than an IRA. You you have a higher contribution limit. Uh, you probably have some employer match to it, and um, also somebody else. You're, typically, your employer is paying for the administration while uh, while you're still working. So, I mean, that being said, I've seen some awful 401ks where, you know, the employer doesn't match. The funds are all very expensive and they don't have a good diversified amount of funds. And if you're not using it just to get that tax deferral, then it might not be worth it. Um, But like I said, the great thing about 401k is you have such a higher deferral limit. You can put in $19,000 a year, whereas with an IRA um, at if you're under 50, you can put in 6,000. If you're over 50, you can put in seven. Okay, then. All right, then. Thank y'all very much. Y'all have a good day, okay? Sure Thanks. thing. Take oh, care. You, yes, thank you uh, for joining us this morning, Jimmy. Let's continue on the phones, and let's go to Mike, also in Memphis. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. Go ahead mm-hmm. with your question or comment. Uh, yeah, I just wondered your opinion on... Uh, deferred annuities and a, mm-hmm. you know, in a retirement plan, say percentage of your retirement plan. I purchased, uh, say, about 10% of my retirement funds in a product that guarantees 7% uh, over 10 years, a uh-huh. 7% return. But, you know, what do I get to do with it when I'm, you know, in 10 years? What, you know, what, what do you think? What do you think about that strategy? Yeah, so um, annuities within an IRA or a retirement plan are, there's not a huge amount of, there's one kind of obscure benefit, and it's that you can, there are some exceptions when it comes to required minimum distributions when you hit age 70 and a half. That's not, that's, that's not worth anybody's time or money to do, really. Um, but a deferred annuity is, keep in mind, it's a contract. It's not like a fund like your other ones. You know, if you put $100 into a fund, then, you know, as it fluctuates, that's still all your money. With an annuity, that's just a promise from the issuer to give you that money. And, you know, don't worry too much about those companies not paying because, you know, typically, you know, you see, you can see their ratings, you can follow their financial health, um, like a bond or something. But, the contract says they're going to increase some value by 7% a year. It's not that at the end of 10 years, you will have that uh, contract, which, you know, that's roughly doubling your value. So say you put a thousand dollars into it and that's not to say that in 10 years, they'll just give you $2,000. It's that they'll then start allowing you to withdraw money at a certain percentage, which they've probably already fixed um, for the rest of your life. And, you know, depending on how it's set up, that may mean if you die the next day, there's no money there and your heirs have nothing. Um, A lot of them aren't, you know, are set up to at least pay back everything that you put in. Um, But keep in mind, it's a contract and and not actual money of yours. So they can offer those guarantees like it increases by 7% a year. 
but that's not the value of your money increasing. That's just um, a promise to pay with a whole lot of rules around it. Uh, annuities are very complex products. I would recommend you get at least a second opinion before you put uh, money into them. Okay. Um yeah, so what you're saying is to realize that 7%, I have to annuitize it. After right. That'll typically be the case, yes. Okay. All right, good deal. Well, mm-hmm. um, thank you very much. Well, thank you for calling. Yeah, thank you for joining us, Mike. It was kind of um, funny to me when he said it was a guaranteed 7% return. I was like, that everybody should go get for those guarantees. Right. I mean, <laughs> if it was actually your money in like the next year, you could take out one, you know, whatever you put in plus that 7%. I mean, that's that's pretty nice. Um, but it's, it's not it's, as it's just there's, there's, a, there's a lot of rules to it. Yeah. They okay. will. Yeah. There's a lot of rules to it. All right. Let's continue with on the phones before we go to our next break. Um, let's talk with Tim in Olive Branch. Uh, good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. Um, you wanted to talk about saving for grandkids? For my grandkids. Best way to do that. I've got four grandkids and I'm going to start saving money. Okay, um, so there's a couple of vehicles that uh, work, and it kind of depends on what you want to do with that. A lot of folks want to save specifically for college. Is that the case? No, no. You just want to. You just want them to have some money later. Want to have some money? Scholarships for that. Yeah. So, uh, just depends on how you want to do it. I mean, one, you just give them money. I mean, you know, cash is cash. People love cash. But oh. um, you, the best account, uh, the way to do an account for uh, a minor child or grandchild is going to be an UGMA or UTMA account. That's Uniform Gift Tax Law to Minors. Count. I just, mm-hmm. I am not doing well <laughs> with trans, transliterating <laughs> my my uh, my alphabet soup today. Um, but essentially, that's an account where you are giving them the money. Uh, it is their money, but there is a custodian over the account. And if you're doing it, you know you might as well put yourself as the custodian, mm-hmm. and uh, you can. You can open that account pretty much wherever you like. You can be at a bank and just put cash in it, and it earns a little bit of interest. You can put it in investment accounts uh, where it'll grow a little bit, uh, just depending on how you get it invested. And um, you're the custodian of that account. Uh, that money is you know, technically it's theirs. So before they are minor, you know, obviously you or the custodian will be the one who's in charge of putting money in, taking money out. It's supposed to be spent uh, for their benefit, but that can be pretty broadly construed. Um, I will say one issue with these accounts, particularly if it's going to get sizable when they're saying high school, is it does count as their money when it comes to applying for college and uh, financial aid. And so that can count, um, you know, if they were previously eligible for financial aid, uh, if they have a significant amount of money, then uh, that can that can impact the amount of financial oh, aid they're eligible didn't for. Know, didn't know that. Um, but I mean, that being said, you know, if you want to give them money, like it's 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 the best way to do it. Um, it it's it's the best way to just give them money, let them invest, watch it grow, um, and they can have a, a much larger account when they uh, when they turn twenty one. 
Thanks a lot. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Tim, for that. Let's go ahead and take our last break for the hour. We have some calls from Jackson in um, Huntsville, Alabama. Hang on the line. We're going to come to you uh, right after the break. Um, This is Money Talks here on MPB Think Radio. You can join our conversation as we're talking about catching up savings for retirement. Also, your general uh, finance questions, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email to money at MPB. Online.org. Now, if you've wondered how you can receive a larger Social Security check when you retire, Ooh. we'll tell you about that <laughs> after the break. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman here with Ryder Tab, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen back on our website, mpbonline.org slash money talks. You can also subscribe to the podcast using any podcast app or uh, by downloading our MPB public media app. Uh, we're going to go back to the phones before the end of the program. And let's talk with Trisha in Jackson. Good morning, Trisha. Hey there. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing Good. fine. Good morning. I have a question about these computer-based financial advisors like mm-hmm. Betterment that use advanced algorithms mm-hmm. um, to invest money. It's very easy and user-friendly. I oh, just yeah. wanted to know what y'all thought about those. Um, yeah, so I like them for the reasons you pointed out. They're very easy and user-friendly. They do a good job of encouraging people to uh, save a little, save a little more, um, save on a regular basis. Um, they, I have a Betterment account myself. I set one up when I first heard about them just to see how it went, and I just set up a regular monthly withdrawal, and I've just let it roll ever since. Um and there's a there's a number of them out there. I think Betterment's probably the biggest and most well known. I've looked into some. Some I worry about because they have very high fees. Um, some one like Wealthfront, they actually came up with a new product which had like absurd fees and and it was it was a terribly conceived project product from the get go. I mean, everyone kind of in the finance world was like, oh my gosh, what are they thinking? And they and they automatically put folks into it without asking. Um, so they don't necessarily have all of the best practices down because they're still new companies. But they're very good for a lot of folks, especially just getting started saving. Someone who just needs that monthly withdrawal to get invested, they're very good about that. That being said, you don't have a lot of discretion in your account. You can kind of say, I want to be more aggressive or I want to be more conservative. Um, you don't, you can call in, but for the most part, you're not working with a real human who kind of knows your situation really well and can kind of give you much broader advice uh, in your financial life. 
Uh, and also, uh, people have found some pretty big headaches when it comes to tax time because they they trade so often, um, and they you know they say they're these smart advanced algorithms. I mean, they're they're going by some pretty basic rules that a lot of folks in finance follow. They're just trading a lot more often because they can, and uh, and also we've found trouble when that we try to transfer. Um, they're just not up. You know, the transfer system in finance was designed to protect the customer um, and and. They're not doing it very well. Um, and just a couple of worries I have. But, yeah, for getting people into habits, they're excellent. That's that's a great to point that out, Tricia. Great. Well, thanks. I wanted to do it for my kids because I thought it would be a fun tool for them to start. You know, investing yeah. it has a... It has a min- no minimum, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Betterment's a very good one. And, and it also, they provide a lot of information about what's going on and, you know, graphic information and kind of goals like, you know, where do we think you're going to be in 10 or 20 years? And so that's really nice. It's it's, it's great for getting started. Well, thank you for uh, bringing, it, bringing it to us, Tricia. Um, and um, I'm actually going to have to look into Betterment and uh, what was the other one, Wealthfront? Wealthfront. Uh, Wealthfront, it's designed for folks starting off with more. I think they have a minimum of like five or 10,000. Okay. Um, but there's a couple of them out there. Again, Betterment's the biggest and most well-known. That's why I refer to that. All right. Let's go ahead and continue with the phone uh, calls as we wrap up the program. Let's talk with Ginger in Huntsville, Alabama. Good morning, Ginger. Good morning. Uh, what's your question or comment? Well, my question kind of pertained to the earlier part of this show mm-hmm. uh, where you were talking about 401Ks and, and IRAs. Mm-hmm. And the question I have is who is responsible for enforcing the limitations on contributions? The reason that I ask is because I have a Roth 401K, which mm-hmm. I established. Uh, and I, when it came time to figure out how much I could contribute to that, I had a whale of a time finding someone who could answer that question for me. And I went through about five different people and then finally I just made up a number and I and I went with it and uh-huh. I have worried about that ever since because I don't know what yeah. the outcome of that is. So uh, so the IRS sets these limits. Um, it's they actually I mean look we give the IRS a lot of hate because nobody wants to deal with them but their website actually is super informative once you you know sometimes you have to read like three pages to get the answer but yes they the IRS sets those limits. Uh, your broker or custodian, wherever you have the account, they're responsible for the reporting of that. Um, they're responsible for providing you with information saying, hey, uh, by the way, Ginger, you know, you contributed $5,000 last year. Just make sure you do that on your taxes. But it is the responsibility of every American taxpayer uh, who has enough income to qualify for tax reporting to report their own income and everything that they did uh, uh, correctly, um, so ultimately you're responsible for for doing it. If you over contribute and they find out, and they will, because this is a thing that is reported easily. Um, there are some methods for taking that out. There are some penalties for putting too much in, and uh, you, you definitely don't want to do that. Uh, ju- but just FYI, for that Roth 401k, it's the same limit as any other 401k contribution. Thank you uh, for that question, Ginger. Hopefully, our uh, writer uh, knocked it out of the park for you. And we want to thank all our callers for uh, tuning in today. This is Money Talks, a production of MPB Think Radio, and is funded in part by the generous financial supporters of listeners like you. To, to hear today, 
show or previous shows, visit mpbonline.org slash money talks or listen to the podcast from any podcast app. Today's show was produced by Liz Gill and our call screener was Michelle McAdoo for Writer Tab. I'm Java Chapman. And up next is our Tuesday 10 a.m. show in legal terms. So make sure you join us again next Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.